0: Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 55, A Scanner Darkly from 2006. I'm Joey Lewandowski, and I'm Mike Manzi. Back with us from a couple episodes ago, we have Jordan Paul, and Clark. Hi, Jordan. Hey. Now, before we get into this, we have to take another little bit of a detour in our ongoing effort to get to the movies quicker and to skip all of the short films and documentaries. We skipped two more things since Constantine. We skipped Echo which is like a 10 or 12 minute really weird black and white short film that's on YouTube that I skimmed through pretty quickly and didn't see Keanu so I think that's probably fine to skip and we also skipped The Great Warming a documentary that Mike watched
1: yeah and and the only reason I watched this was because I had to tape it for you to watch because it yep, only I have it on VHS now <laughs> yeah i think it only exists in DVD form in region 2 so i got it off of Amazon Canada, actually, which I thought was kind of funny because it's not only is it narrated by Keanu, but Atlantis more Morissette as well. And it's basically your garden variety documentary about the environment you might watch in high school science class on a day where the teacher sort of ahead in the lesson plan, that's a, really what it felt like to me. And you only see Keanu in Atlantis at the very beginning, they introduce themselves and introduce the documentary, and then you just hear them alternating facts the entire time while watching footage of the environment. And it's very boring. I'm glad you don't have to watch it. I watched it for us and for everyone else. It's a hard pass. There's just no, you know, there's just no telling Keanu in it. He's just reading. So you don't really get a sense of performance or anything. So that was a skip. Well, I'm
0: glad that once again, you took another bullet for the team because I just don't want to like that. I'm so glad that we're getting through this quicker because when we were looking down the barrel of like 12 documentaries over three or four months, I was just like, I can't,
1: I just can't. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, after watching it, I was like, wow, I really don't know what we would have talked about for this episode. Like, it would have been the shortest episode in history for real. Because literally, like, what I just said about it is all I really feel there is to need to discuss about it. But this one
0: has a lot to talk about even though i'm not really sure how to talk about it because it's a weird movie to take notes on it's a richard linklater movie who also did boyhood and he did days and confuse he did everybody wants some um, he did the before trilogy he did waking life he did all sorts of movies this is keanu after the matrix in a movie that kind of feels matrixy in ways it's Robert Downey Jr. right before Iron Man, and it's Woody Harrelson. I don't know what's Woody Harrelson known for. White <laughs> men can't jump in Zombie Land. Like, is that like?
1: This is just in the middle of those. Yeah, yeah. Until he started training Katniss, I guess that's what he was known yeah. for. Yeah, and Woody for so Cheers. In the, in the,
0: if in you the grew up- In the downslope or the, uh, not the rough spot of his career, but just, I don't know what
1: else he's doing in 2006. He might as well be in an animated movie. He became kind of a character actor, I guess, at some point, in some ways, like just showed up in small roles here and there. Yeah, but here he is. He's good in this. Everyone's pretty good in this. It's weird to watch this movie
0: for Keanu, considering Keanu is kind of the straight man in this, and Robert Downey Jr. and Woody Harrelson are so weird by comparison, and also that much more entertaining. And I know Keanu's got, like, the real narrative and the real things that happen to him, but in terms of enjoyment, Robert Downey just steals this movie in terms of being fun and weird and, you know, exactly the same kind of character he is. Like, he's basically Tony Stark, if Tony Stark was a drug addict, in an animated world
2: he's like like if someone like shook up Tony Stark Mm -hmm.
1: I feel like he's just playing himself as a drug addict (laughs) like because at this time like he was kind of his career was really down because of his drug use like he went to prison he was waking up in strange people's bedrooms like it was really it seemed like it was getting really bad at one point and no one would touch him and he wasn't really making high profile films and this kind of feels like yeah it's like right before iron man it almost feels like a, a part of his comeback trail in a bit and he seems very close to this material like i totally buy him in this
2: I had a hard time following this because like I had seen it before so I knew that Keanu was kind of the protagonist of the film but like especially in the beginning of the movie you actually spend more time with Robert Downey Jr. and Woody Harrelson which is kind of off pudding because this was the second time I had seen this and the first time I saw it I think even then I had like you have the sense that they are not the meat of the story you actually don't get the meat of the story until the last 10 minutes of this movie which I find really hard to follow and the way that this is animated doesn't help.
1: Yeah, what do you guys think about this animation style? The rotoscoping, obviously, like they filmed these guys live in the place and animated over it. But I feel like this was something that, this was a style that was being toyed with a little Linkletter used it in Waking Life. Waking Life, yeah. Yeah, and it seems like this was on the cusp of being used a lot. I like this style, and I was looking forward to seeing more animated films use it, but it just kind of fell off.
0: Well, I think part of that is because they filmed this movie in 23 days and then it took 18 months to animate. Wow. Okay. And it's just it's just an
1: unsustainable strategy, I feel, because...
2: Rotoscoping is insane. It's one frame at a time. I mean, that's insane.
1: Hmm. I almost felt like they developed some kind of program to do a chunk at once or some kind. But I hear you just saying, I, I just felt like you could literally film it in any place and draw the set that you wanted or the clothing that you needed for the character or the lighting and everything. So I was watching this going, oh, this seems like a pretty good way to shoot a movie you don't have to worry about your set or your dressing and you can put it all in after but it seems like it's extremely time consuming
2: this is a good fit for this movie though for like practical reasons but also for kind of story reasons like you know they have the scramble suit Which like I I don't know How else would you Have done that You couldn't Um, I don't think It looks great And they have All that bug stuff Which like It's not really Prominent Like it's in the Beginning The guy's covered In bugs And he's scratching Them off And then later In the movie Keanu is hallucinating And everybody turns Into bugs but again, that stuff is important and would have looked weird had this not been animated. And I think they could have done it, but I think this was a smart way to do it. You also, you have a different relationship with looking at a character who's not just animated, but like we know who these real actors are. So it's kind of, it's like we're looking at somebody who's kind of a real person and kind of not a real person. And this is a movie about drug addiction. And that really seems to fit the theme.
0: Yeah, and what also, just as a quick side note, another thing that rotoscoping does is that it is able to cover up all the post-it notes of his lines that Robert Downey Jr. had all over every set that they were in. Like, he just had notes everywhere. I mean, there's one movie that came out a year or two ago, and I don't remember why I can't remember it, but Hannibal <laughs> Burris is like a cockroach in the back of a convertible. Do you know what <laughs> movie I'm talking about? Huh, no. no. <laughs> Hold on. Hannibal Buress about a though. cockroach. So it's some movie that came out in the last year or two that they're just really high on something, and then all of a sudden Hannibal is in the backseat. seat. doesn't look like Hannibal at all. It just looks like a giant bug, but it has Hannibal's voice. And Hannibal's a very specific, deliberate voice and inflection. So if you know what he sounds like, you can tell that it's him. But that's like what they would have had to do if they didn't have this rotoscoping. And what I like about the rotoscoping is that who knows what the future tech will hold. But I feel like you can watch this movie 10 years ago or today or 10 years from now or however long, and still going to look cool because it's so different from so many things that it's hard to compare it to anything like it's not like you're really comparing early Pixar movies to Toy Story 3. That kind of animation has come so far, and we talked about that, I think, with John, when we talked about the Animatrix, about like how there's like that weightlessness with the Animatrix animation back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Here, I think that this is so unique that there's a timeless quality to it, because there's not many things like this, and it's always going to sort of look
1: cool and original, and it, it has this timeless effect to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really helps like to sort of craft this specific world. You know, like this is a world where everyone that we meet are high on drugs, like all the time, like not just high, but like addicted. And so, and also that combined with you can tell that it's Keanu talking, whereas maybe in an animated feature you just recognize the voice, but it's like, you know, he's drawn as a lion or something. So I think like, somewhat recognizing them and then feeling that we're submerged in this weird world unto itself really does give off a unique vibe that I don't get off any other film. It makes its point with the animation like it just doesn't feel like they're doing it to be cool and look how cool it is but like there's an actual point to it looking this way also which just enhances everything about it that they just didn't do it because they thought it looked cool it actually services the story in a way.
2: I have a question for you guys, because I kind of said before, you don't really have the full picture of what this movie is and what the story is until the very end. There's a lot of stuff that you find out that really makes it so that you're actually watching a whole different movie than you thought you were watching in a lot of ways. But I feel like we were supposed to be watching Keanu go through not a big transformation, but a transformation. He's a guy who's falling into drug addiction and he's becoming bad at his job and he's losing his mind. He's forgetting things. And I feel like the one note acting of Keanu Reeves doesn't work for that. The guy who he is at the end when he goes to rehab and he's in the field feels to me like the same guy who was in the beginning of the movie. He, you know, he's a little different, but it didn't feel like a big enough change for me. I had a hard time with it.
1: Yeah, I've seen this movie a couple times now, actually, and I actually like it less every time, just as regarding the plot and the story and everything, because I agree, like, it makes you sort of think it's one movie, and then at the end, it's like, oh, no, at least this time, it really sunk in that it's something else entirely. We'd lead you to believe that Keanu is this undercover cop who's becoming addicted to this drug and is losing his mind, or he's suffering from the effects, like, he's losing his sense of his self, and his whole thing is he has to spy on himself you know he's a cop but people don't know what he looks like so he's just told to spy on himself and see what he does and so I feel like it wants to be like this introspective look on this drug addict and his life and where he was and what it's turned into and how it's been destroyed. But I don't really get the weight of all that, especially at the end when it's revealed that he's sort of just this patsy. That really sort of came more out of nowhere this time where I was like, wow, this isn't what I felt the movie was going towards. And it just felt like it took like a left turn towards the end there.
2: See, I like the left turn because... feel like I couldn't connect to the characters or understand what world they were in. And I think that was on purpose because it's their like kind of drug addicted world and they don't know where they are and what we're doing and neither do we. So I think that was purposeful, but it's hard to watch. And then at the end, when it's revealed that basically, who does he work for?
1: Well, he works for the police department
2: yeah i guess like the police department got him addicted on purpose so they could send him to rehab because the police department has this theory that the rehab center is growing and distributing the drug which they are
0: which they're right (laughs) but they just don't have a way to prove Um, it but so they
2: used keanu to get him in there to continue to go undercover even though he has no idea And once we find all that out and we're like in the perspective of the people who are not high on drugs, we're with Winona Ryder and that other cop. It feels like a different movie. And all of a sudden I felt the whole weight of like what they had just done to this person and what they were, what was happening to all these people. Like I bawled at the end of this. It's so emotional when he picks up the flower and he's like, what does he say? I want to say it right. Cause I love, like that's when I really, really started to cry. A present for my friends at Thanksgiving. I saw death rising from the earth from the ground itself, in one blue field, a present for my friends at Thanksgiving. It's so innocent and also he's gonna get them. Like you know, I don't know. Do you
0: think though? I mean that's that's the hopeful ending, but that there's also like a real depressing ending that he never recovers.
1: Well, I think he's gonna get get him because he does see the flowers again. He couldn't see them, then he could so he was sort of right on the edge and it felt like Winona said like his instincts sort of kicked in and he still knows deep down that he's a cop on a mission or something. But
2: Yeah, but I don't think he's ever gonna recover. That's what's so sad about it.
1: No. <laughs> I think his he's scrambled for good at the end. And I mean, I did feel that much more like earlier viewings. I just this time, I guess I wish there was more of that earlier, like more of like maybe the new path, which is the rehab facility. Like maybe they're the ones in on it actually making the drugs. There's, there's little side references to wars going on in plantations in South America. And like there seems to be a bigger conspiracy happening. But I guess the point is how oblivious the main players are within the world that they're inhabiting too. So maybe all that being in the background and the reveal coming so late is part of the point too. I think this is definitely a movie that would work better or maybe have more
0: meaning. Maybe maybe you wouldn't cry as hard the second time or at all, but I feel like if you remembered what the ending was and you rewatched this movie, it would make more sense and I think there'd be more to it. I saw this movie like eight or nine years ago and I didn't remember anything about it other than the art style and I wish that I had remembered more going in so that I could have watched it differently.
2: Yeah I saw it when it came out like 10 or 11 years ago and halfway through like when Keanu and Winona are together and she's like pushing him off and pushing him off that's when I remembered that she was also an undercover cop so that made the rest of the movie way more exciting to watch but I forgot I kind of forgot what happened to him and how bad it was
1: one thing i liked knowing this time around was that not only is she an undercover cop but she's the superior officer interviewing him the entire movie behind the other yeah she's Hank behind the shift suit so like i liked watching it this time knowing that's winona Ryder's character interrogating archer knowing that keanu is archer and egging him on to investigate himself and to go even crazier like that i felt worked a lot that worked the best this time around for me
2: It also, like Thumbsucker, made me want to read the book.
1: Oh, I actually read this book. (laughs) Was it
2: good? Like, I feel like you couldn't be so disconnected from the book as I felt from the movie the whole time.
1: It's really close, from what I remember. There's a little more in the book, actually, about the new path possibly being connected to the drug, and and it being, you know, I think you're in on the scheme a little earlier than you are in the movie, but for the most part, I remember it being incredibly faithful to the book. Like, there's the conversation about the 18-speed bike, you know, that scene, I mean, that, that, when they're in the car and the brakes are going out, like, I just remember all these sort of little episodes from the book, because I would imagine that a lot of them are based off of real life, because a lot of this Philip K. Dick based on his actual friends and and their situations with hardcore drug abuse
0: What also is probably not in the book is what might be my favorite line in the movie where they're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio, that old Leonardo DiCaprio movie, Catch Me If You Can. And then that was before he got into his Elvis phase. And I was like, oh man, I want that phase so bad. (laughs) I want a bunch
1: of movies where Leonardo DiCaprio plays Elvis. Like That's great. I want that so bad. I just kept thinking of Fat DiCaprio because when Elvis got older, he just got fatter. And then it made me want Fat Keanu. And then it just (laughs) reminded me of all of that disappointment. During that phase of Keanu Club, yeah, the fat Leo or the the Leo and the Elvis phase.
2: Was there a fat Keanu? There were three different movies.
1: There was one movie where he was heavier because he got
0: hurt playing hockey and gained weight. And then there was a two-movie thing, The Watcher and The Gift, where I had been lied to by multiple people in the months leading up to it, that fat Keanu movies. And he's not fat as just big and intimidating and scary. And so, not that I want to see, like, a movie star gain. I mean, although, on Sunny, like, when Mac got fat, like, it was funny. Like, I want to see Keanu do that. I mean, I don't think that he's going to because nobody else has said anything from here on out, but I was promised fat Keanu and just never happened, so I want fat versions of everybody now. How old is he? Now? Yeah. He's 52. He's the same age as Cage. He's a couple months younger than Cage.
2: I was just thinking—you see it happen to so many celebrity men. Just like one day they wake up and they are like double the width that they used to be. But I guess it hasn't happened to well either one of them yet, really. Yeah,
1: they've sort of have the advantage of being like taller, leaner to begin with, guys. I felt like they Cage beefed up for his action trilogy, but
0: I think we're far more likely to have fat Cage than fat <laughs> Keanu.
2: Yeah, Keanu actually seems like he's getting in better shape.
0: Yes. I feel like Cage in some of his later movies has, as sort of like old man, like in Snowden stuff, doesn't necessarily. He's not like a. I mean, not that he really has been for a while, but like he's not a sex symbol anymore. People aren't going to see him for like what he looks like. He doesn't. He's not. The, he's not the star of these action movies or all the. You know, he's still the star of some of them. Whatever, but he can let himself go a little bit. And I feel like we are probably a few years of bad luck away from that Cage. And I mean, not
1: that I want to see it, but I do want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it, but I want it to be necessary i just don't want him to walk through a movie you know having gained a lot of weight i want him to play someone where he needed to gain the weight he would have been interesting in this movie i could have seen cage really been a part of that inner circle maybe the woody harrelson role i don't know I, i was getting some cage vibes off of woody at points so can
0: we talk about how this movie is kind of like a matrix side story like i feel like this is an animatrix story fleshed out to a full two hours and here's why Well, aside from the fact that when he's talking, he sounds like he has the same cadence and delivery as he does at the end of the Matrix movies.
1: When he's like on the phone talking to the computers and he's like, I'm going to tell them what you don't want them to see. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I also feel like just that the twist of Keanu, whether he would, like, did he volunteer? Was he forced in? Is there destiny? Is there free will? Did he take the blue pill? Did he take the red pill? The fact that these flowers are blue and you take the blue flowers that become the red, I mean, the I guess it is a red pill, so that might debunk my theory a little bit, but the blue flowers put you in this dream world and you're not awake, you're not with it. I just saw, because it, it's, it's a whole thing about sort of, like, dreaming. He even says to Winona at one point, doesn't he? Like, we're all dreaming. None of this is real. So it's not exactly Matrixy. But, you know, considering the last episode on Constantine, we talked about how Warner was still in the Matrix business and the Keanu business. This feels like a similar... Like, there are parallels to be drawn here between Matrix themes and storylines and plot points and what's going on here, especially because it's all weird and surreal and the nature of free will and dreaming and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, there's the definite questioning of reality is for sure like a big part of this movie and, you know, questioning yourself and who you are and what. And yeah, absolutely. I was picking up on similar themes and vibes there for this movie, for sure. Did this movie remind anybody of Inherent Vice? I could see a little of the Inherent Vice thing going on with the drug-related mystery background plot. What made me think about it, aside from the whole
0: drug thing, was that one scene where they're talking about the bike, where he's saying the 18-speed bike, and they're saying, like, no, you know, they there's only six, there's only nine speeds. No, there's only six speeds. He's like, we gotta go find, like, the missing cases. Like, that felt like something that Doc would investigate because he's way too high.
1: Why do you say it's an 18-speed when it only has nine gears? Huh? What? Yeah, yeah. Six right here, three at the other end of the chain, six plus three equals nine. It's a nine-speed bike.
2: Yeah, but even a nine-speed bike for 50 bucks, you still got a good deal.
1: Okay, those guys told me it was 18 speeds. I just got griefed. I just got, wait. Wait, now I count eight. Six here and then two in the front, that makes eight.
2: What do you think happened to the missing gears? Think, I know. They were probably working on it, these gypsy grifters, with improper tools and no technical knowledge, no understanding of reverse
0: engineering. And when they attempted to reassemble it, they panicked, they got scared, and they left nine orphan gears. They're just laying on the floor. They're probably still there on the floor of the garage. Let's just go rescue the orphan gears, dude! Don't you see that that's part of the plan? They're going to try to sell them to me, not give them to me as they rightfully should have, as included in part of the original sale price.
1: Oh, my God, there's no telling what else they've... Bait and switched. Yeah, but all of if all of us go together, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll give them back. Oh, you bet they will. Oh, you bet they will. Let's
0: just go to a team, okay? wait, wait, wait. wait. But, you know, it's just all nonsense. And like, they think that they are these detectives that are going to solve the day. But spoiler alert for Inherent Vice: in the end of the day, like nothing he did mattered. It was all just going to work itself out anyway. And it was all just a big cover up. And so these three stoners, there's, there's no missing gears. There's no missing speeds. It's just that there was a stolen bike that he got lied to, but he still got a, st- a hot bike for 50 bucks.
1: One could argue Doc made things worse going out on his little mission during Inherent Vice. Yes, very much so. For here, like, I really like these little sort of, like, episodic, well, these little episodes between these drugged out guys, because I really feel like it captures their insane logic in a way. It almost got me believing them from time to time, like when Robert Downey Jr. is talking about making cocaine by sports aerosol spraying into a balloon and putting it in the freezer and the crystals rise to the top it's like I know that's not possible but the way he explains it makes me believe him right. so I got a lot of that out of this movie like I really feel like Link Letter knew the tone to go for and, and hit it and kept it and was able to really augment it like you could get like the low sort of melancholy drugged out versions with Keanu and then you get those manic versions with uh, Downey and everything you know but it, it all feels connected and like natural like it all feels like it belongs together
0: I feel like there's two or three different movies here like we have what could have been funny and actually this ties into what I was thinking before Hannibal Burrs as a bug is in the nice guys when they're driving oh, right. down the road, <laughs> okay, and, and Gosling and Russell Crowe in the front, and then he's just in the back. And in a way, it's not quite, because this is more drug-heavy than that, but the Robert Downey, Woody Harrelson stuff feels kind of nice guy he Like, that's one type of story. Then we have the depressing drug, for lack of a better comparison, sort of like a train-spotting kind of thing. And then you have this whole criminal thing running throughout, and sort of three different stories that I feel like work well together, but watching it this time not remembering how it ended, the Keanu stuff is so depressing, and the cop stuff feels, until like the end, sort of feels like shoehorned in, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't necessarily feel like it fits, and ultimately it does wrap up, but I wanted more of like Robert Downey Jr. and Woody Harrelson just shooting the shit, like talking about cars, like I wanted those characters in a movie like Dazed and Confused, where we're just hanging hanging out with them and they're just fixing cars and just making fun of each other. Like, that's kind of what I wanted for a while until it wraps up and then you sort of... You know, they kind of go... Like, when the movie gets going and the movie gets real and, like, real stuff starts to happen, they kind of go away and it becomes all about Keanu and Winona.
2: Well, I feel like they don't go away as much as they... Uh, It changes Because Robert Downey Jr. Starts to uh, He keeps going Into the cops To kind of Narc on Keanu So I feel like We start to see Him differently
1: Yeah I mean I started Wondering why would he incriminate this guy he lives with? He's just going to incriminate himself. But then I came around to thinking like, oh, like he keeps saying Keanu's like this terrorist or part of a terrorist cell when in fact Downey is the one being suspected of that. So it's kind of like the thing of blame the other person for something you've done to throw them off the trail a little bit, something. So that's kind of what I was getting at with Downey. And then I was like, oh, he's being very duplicitous. And yeah, from that moment on, I was sort of watching him more because there's that other scene where he almost lets Woody Harrelson die right like choke to death on the floor so you're like this dude is not who he says he is there's something else going on we're not going to find out what it is but I feel like you're supposed to be aware that out of everybody he is indeed the one to watch that is the most dangerous he, he kind of goes from in the beginning to like oh look how fun and like funny and like wouldn't it be fun to hang out with this guy on drugs and then to like I don't even want to be near this guy when we're sober kind
0: <laughs> of the Robert Downey Jr. character is, he's hard to describe because he's kind of a rat, but kind of not. And I don't know what kind of like weird middle ground. He does seem dangerous. The Woody Harrelson just seems like a genuine sweetheart, dopey kind of guy. And we know Keanu's story, but Robert Downey just, like exists in this like this gray space between them. I, you're right. Like it's it's tough to really pinpoint who he is.
2: I think that's like, kind of the point though like does he even know because like he's also like doing a lot of drugs he just happens to be the kind of guy who's a lot scarier than the other guys right yeah
0: that is the point though right that he is this i guess that's a lie though that they were saying that they were ramping up security to get him but they're just really trying to get keanu i don't it's all oh man like it's it's hard to tell who knows what in this movie at what time Because I guess you're supposed to know that the cops know everything. They know who Keanu is. They know who's in that shifting suit. They know it's him. And they're just trying to make him think that they're not after him, that they're after Robert Downey. But you also, like, don't know definitively. I mean, it's probably... I don't know if you know definitively that everybody knows. Winona knows.
2: Yeah, no, they all know. Because at the end, she's talking about how purposeful it was. It was all super on purpose. They used him, like, and, you know, got him addicted to... It was all part of the plan, I feel like.
1: Yeah, even the guilt, right, at the end when she's like, no one forced the pills into your mouth. It's like, well, yeah, they did. Like, this was all an elaborate ruse to get Keanu even deeper undercover into the rehab plan. I feel like all this stuff about, you know, they were really looking for Downey is like the uh, the cover plan or whatever. It's like, we want Archer to go and be part of this little cell and see if there's anything there, because we're suspecting this guy, Barris in the, in the crew. But what they really want is just to get Keanu's character undercover, a deep addicted to drugs in the state of mind of substance D so that they could bring him into a rehab, which is why I feel like at times it is a little confusing as to like, why is this, what's, what's actually, what's going on? Like, why are we spending so much time analyzing or debriefing Keanu and all this? And I think it is all part of the point to get the viewer a little more disoriented, expect certain things that aren't going to happen, and then have things happen that are logical, but unforeseeable to a certain extent, so that you are caught off guard in a way that is similar to the character. I mean, it's all just one big crazy trip of a movie, right? Like when it comes down to it, it does get very morose at at points. uh, But, you know, drug addiction is a very heavy issue. So I feel like that's okay. It can do that. And then it, it it has like those really fun, entertaining moments of what you wanna see people on drugs in movies acting like. You know, it gives you sort of the fictional fun part too. Not entirely fictional, but I mean it shows you the fun. But it definitely doesn't stray from the consequences, right? Because like this is a very you know, it is meant to be a heartbreaking ending to this guy like this guy who was just chewed up and used by a drug for other people's purposes and that happens every day the story is set up to be depressing
0: that we're like we're only seven years into the future i think so it's not that far off and there's a drug that 20 percent of the population is addicted to and there's basically no recovering from so not only is keanu's story depressing but the entire landscape the overall story is depressing too
1: yeah that was one thing that didn't sink in until this time too is like oh, just about everybody you meet that isn't an authority figure is probably on Substance D. You know, maybe even some of the cops, too. It's like everybody's going crazy.
2: Do you think, like, I kept finding myself thinking how much more depressing this probably would have been if it wasn't animated.
1: And they could probably do that now with the extent of CGI and all that, but I think it would be, yeah, it would be too depressing. Like, I kind of think you need the visual disconnect from our world to sort of absorb this type of story to make it not feel real at times
0: can we talk about and this might have been this is changing gears for a second this might have been a lie i don't think it was although maybe who knows really but this movie paints keanu as a type of character that we haven't seen much surprisingly and that's dad keanu Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of all the other movies that we've done, and the only other one I can remember for sure that he had kids is another episode Jordan was on, Parenthood. (laughs) Yeah, at the very end. Oh,
2: barely. Yeah, he kind of had kids. But
0: that's that's the point of it, right? Because she gets pregnant, so they get married. Um, Was he a dad in The Gift? I don't think so, right? No. And The Devil's Advocate? Or no, no.
2: You're not there yet, but wasn't he the dad in some scary movie? Wasn't he a dad? Yeah, knock, knock. He's
0: not a dad. Uh,
2: Is he a dad? I watched watched the beginning, and he seemed like a dad.
0: Well, he's definitely a a husband in that, and his wife goes away. I don't remember if there's a
1: family or not. I'm starting to think dad Keanu's like fat Keanu. It's just a (laughs) Well,
0: because I was comparing it to Cage, and we had... I mean, Cage wasn't always a dad, but he was a dad in, like, The Family Man and Stolen... I feel like maybe part of this is because Keanu was a high schooler for so long. And unless you do that high school pregnancy movie, you're not going like, to, that's not going to be part of it. You know what I mean? And then he was Ted for so long, and Ted's never going to be a dad. And then he's been, well, a, like, Ted the is the other dad,
1: actually. At the end of that movie, he has little Bill. Yeah, so. I guess.
0: <laughs> that barely counts, but you're right. I know. I know. Um, and then, like, the rest of his career pretty much is this, like, either stoner guy or uh, an athlete or a buttoned up police officer kind of guy and like none of them are just archetypically dad types either so it's just strange that we're 55 episodes in and he's been really like a dad has been prominent in like now maybe just parenthood like it's not important here and might not even be accurate here like he might not be married with kids that might be the drugs warping his brain
1: right and we only do get that one scene but what a great domestic scene that sets though i bought him in that moment as that dad you know with the two daughters he goes into the kitchen and he bumps his head on the cabinet it seemed natural it seemed like a natural fit for him and if i could tell just in that quick moment then i can tell like i want a movie where he is just straight up like legitimate the dad like in a rom-com or just in some kind of it could be a drama i don't care but like i do i do want to see him with a family, like, playing the dad, talking to his daughter's boyfriend, whatever. I need that Keanu now that we've mentioned it.
0: <laughs> well, even if he has a dad in Knock Knock, he, the kids are not, like, it's, it's that's not, not what that movie's about yeah. at all. So, yeah, so that, I, I don't know that we're going to get it.
2: I feel like his wheelhouse is really to be, like, some kind of loner, though, like, in so many things. But do you feel that way
0: because of who he is, or just the type of movies that you've seen him in? Because, like, we've never seen him be a dad. Maybe, like, maybe... You know, we've never seen him do really a rom-com. We've seen him do a lot of romance movies, like maybe he'd be a great rom-com actor. Well, no, I mean, like we've talked about, you have talked about it before. Like I, I emphasize it in that weird way for a reason, because we talk about like Cage did rom coms and they were great. Keanu just does straight up romance movies. Like there's no com in these in these romance. But
2: movies. he doesn't do that many of those either. Like what romance movies did he do? Mm,
0: there was a little bit of a stretch. A walk there was, in the Cloud. He's that. gonna do the Lake House. Something's Got to Give oh, is a romance is movie. True. Sweet November is a romance movie. I
2: take it back. He did a few.
0: Another one that was sort of romancy, or that he—I mean, like my my own private Idaho is a romance movie in a way. You know, Much Ado is kind of a romance movie. Dracula has a romance subplot. Winona back from Dracula. Winona will oh, return yeah. again in the Private Lives of Pippa Lee, which is just a couple movies down the road. So she's got a trifecta, three timers club here on Keanu. But Keanu's <laughs> been and like. Parenthood is not like a romance movie, but like his his plot there. That's like a rom. That's like the main driving force. There is a romance. So whether it's the plot that he's in or the type of movie, he's done a lot of romance. But he's never done a movie like It Could Happen to You, which I keep referring to because I just love Cage in that movie so so much. And we just haven't had it. Like, I don't know if he's decided in his mind that he can't do it or people just never saw him in it. And so they never offered him that.
2: Leonardo DiCaprio never has kids in movies.
0: Well, that's because like Leonardo DiCaprio is like a 45 year old guy who flies around the planet
1: by himself and just fucks women. Like, that's who he is. But why
2: couldn't he have kids in a movie? What does that have to do with anything?
1: I feel like he's on a different, a whole other level, like a different tier. Like ever since Titanic, you know, he was just never, he was always the lead or the star and the movie was sort of crafted around him. And it just seems like he's doing what he wants, not what he's, like he doesn't have to take jobs. Like jobs have always just been like what he'd wanted. Yeah, like his Elvis phase. Not that he couldn't or wouldn't be great in like a romantic comedy, but I just feel like he's almost too... Big for that now, or, yeah, or no, just, definitely. You know, like it just was into a whole other stratosphere. And I
0: don't think that what I'm saying about Keanu is necessarily unique to him, because I'm sure there's a lot of actors who never did. I know, well, rom-coms, that's what I'm like, getting at. Like Cage was so, but like Cage was so well rounded. I feel like you know the other one that we kind of were really close to doing instead of Keanu was Tom Hanks.
2: He's been America's dad since he was like 20 years old. <laughs> We see it time and again, like,
0: Keanu is, like, one of, like, three different roles. And now, I mean, at this point, not even now, now, like, today, 2017, but now, 2006, the Scanner Darkly, he's already passed his prime for like rom-coms, I think. It'd be like a different kind of, like an adult, it'd be like a, something's got to give, which is just not what I'm looking for.
2: But so now, wait, now we're talking about two different things, though. You're talking about rom-coms, but we started this out talking about kids, which is two different things.
0: So I think the kids thing is something that we might see from here on out, but I mean, I don't know what a lot of these movies coming up are. I don't think he has kids in the lake house. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have kids in Street Kings, or The Day the Earth Stood Still, or 47 Ronin, or Expose, I know he doesn't,
1: or John Wick. It's just, but also, we don't want him to need to rescue his kids because they've been kidnapped. Like we want him, <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, we want him Stone to like sit so by good. the fire. I, it's it is good, but it's like I want Keanu to like give his kids advice and you know go play baseball with them, uh, not like hardball, but like actually those kind of bonding moments. Like that's what I sort of was considering. I mean, I will, I'll take, I'll take him in Taken, sure, like I'll take that, but I would rather have like the Family Man with Keanu or something. And I also feel like he would be able to pull that off too I feel like he sort of had he could do almost like the clueless dad in a way or like the dad from valley girl or you know like I feel like he has a dad in him I I want Keanu in suspenders I never thought about it
0: but I want Keanu in suspenders
2: I watched the beginning of Knock Knock, and I do think his kids are in the beginning. And I was so uncomfortable with him as a dad that I couldn't watch the rest kind of. of it. I didn't like really? it. It was very I uncomfortable. Mean, didn't
1: like Dad
0: Keanu. No. I could have told you that you would not have liked that movie, though, because that movie is just, it's all about him, like two beautiful 18-year-old girls show up at his house soaking wet and his family's out of town and like they're trying to have sex with him and he's trying not to like that's the whole point of the movie and it's it's Eli Roth like I, I could have told you like that, that's not a Jordan special <laughs> that's an Eli Roth film I didn't know that yeah, yeah oh, he man. did because he did that and he did the Green Inferno both with uh, Lorenza Izzo both in like, the same year like in oh, 2013 okay. 2014 so he just you know he was down in the whole Spanish kick thing because he has her and then Ana de Armas in that movie who also comes back in another one but like that's the point of knock knock i guess is that he has kids like these are basically his daughters and he doesn't want to have sex i I don't know yeah i mean jordan don't don't watch knock
1: knock well i tried
2: to already and i know it's not for me i tried
1: but it's interesting that you didn't even get to the the girl part though it was like dad Keanu that was turning her off right (laughs) the girls show up early No,
2: well yeah i got as i think maybe i got to the girls but like it was the dad keanu that i was like i i can't like i just didn't buy it it was bad i didn't like it so i turned it off
0: well, that's also not a great movie. Like, it's not (laughs) well-written and it's not well-acted. I like it because there's two beautiful girls in there it's and they're exploitation just messing yeah, with, yeah they're, they're messing with Keanu like it's that's what I, I I like it but I mean I know it's not good and Chris <laughs> Mattiello signed up for it to be on this podcast because he knows he's gonna hate it and he wants to like get mad about it on, on the air so we'll get into that but like yeah I mean it's
1: just it's just not good but it's enjoyable if you into that well there was that, well, there was one sexy part in this movie that I thought was well it wasn't sexy I don't know that was a terrible we have
0: we have making
1: <laughs> <naked> Keanu <laughs> That's what I was getting at. We have naked Keanu in this. And and it's done in, like, so he's going through the footage of himself, right? Because he's spying on himself. And he's fast-forwarding through the sex that he's having. And it reminded me of Clockwork Orange. Like, when you see Alex have sex and fast-forward with the two girls and (laughs) stuff. Anyway, it was hilarious, too, because there's, like, totally full-frontal cartoon Keanu in that scene
0: and I was wondering I mean I'm sure that in the movie like when Linklater was filming that he wasn't naked they just fixed that in post or whatever
2: why wouldn't he really be naked
0: because it's like you see everything
2: I must have looked down I didn't I don't remember that
0: you see the woman comes back to his house and she's like are you gay he's like not you know I'm, I'm trying not to be that's why you're here or whatever whatever weird line he has And then he wakes up and she's dead. And then it zooms out, sort of like, again, the Matrix, like the architect watching himself. And he's just sort of, you know, rewinding and fast forwarding. And like, he's fast forwarding and like the girl, like he's just sort of like around on the bed and he's just fully naked.
1: Yeah. Like you see him like go through the, mo. like, that's why it reminded me of Clockwork, because you really see him like doing it like doggy style, the other ways. And like, he's, they're both naked. And yeah, that's so, that's why I was like, whoa, this is like very revealing. (laughs) This is a Kiana we've never seen a side of yet. But that's the beauty of owning the DVD. If you own it, you can just go back and watch that scene. Well, I
2: I can watch this for probably 20 more hours. I'm going to go back and watch that part.
1: Really? Nice. So this
0: movie almost didn't happen, or almost happened in a few different ways. In the 90s, Terry Gilliam wanted to make a motion picture version of this in the early 90s wow, i can uh, see charlie that. kaufman adapted the book into a screenplay Wow, but Ooh, I, I guess sort of one. like adaptation couldn't figure out a workable script and then he made being john malkovich and that became so successful he's just like yeah whatever i don't need to do this anymore and then richard linklater wanted to film the philip k dick novel ubik or ubik u-b-i-k but then wiley wiggins who was the main character in
1: waking life said you should do this one instead so he did a scanner darkly instead I did notice uh, in the credits that Soderbergh and Clooney are producers on this. That was interesting because I guess their sensibilities, I don't know. I didn't really think that those two names were going to pop up in the credits, but that that was pretty interesting to see.
0: Yeah. In other filmmaker connections, Linklater will quote unquote, will return in Side by Side, which is a documentary you watched down the road. He'll also be in 21 Years, which is another one that we bought and we won't be doing so. Which I watched. <laughs> Get ready for 30 second <laughs> like reviews in a, in a few episodes because he'll be back. Because even though he never, never really works with Keanu again, I guess he's in two documentaries that we almost talked about. So that's interesting.
2: You guys skipped a lot.
0: We're skipping a bunch, but like we're ending three months early, but it's it's way better this way and it's stuff I feel like shouldn't have been on the docket in the first place no yeah. yeah for for future things we are not making that same mistake like it's looking back at the Cage stuff when we were going so fast watching like an 80 minute Johnny Ramone documentary and then talking about it for 20 minutes was like whew I got like a little bit of a break <laughs> but here when we're only doing one a week we've talked about this on earlier episodes like it's it's a bummer when you do a movie that's not great but it'd be even more of a bummer if like the time you talk about Kiana for the week is like him on screen for two minutes talking about something <laughs> it's yeah. just like that there's nothing that's not like when that's a mm-hmm. week long like that's that's nothing
1: yeah i'm so glad i didn't have to pull clips from the great warming of him explaining you know like climate <laughs> change the title is sort of a play on a Bible verse.
0: Again, another Matrix comparison from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, which reads, In part, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known.
1: He says the titular line at one point in the movie, too, when he's, like, wandering through his memories going, like, Am I a scanner clearly or darkly?
0: Yep.
2: I wish that I had cared about that more. I feel like that speech is supposed to be like a thing, and it didn't feel like it.
0: Yeah. Also, and I'm just looking at the back of my notes, another thing that just feels weird in retrospect is the Charles Freck thing, where he, they have like the real, like the guy we start out the movie with, who is taking a shower and the bugs are crawling over, all over him.
2: Oh, I like him, that guy from Dazed and Confused and Empire Records.
0: He wants to kill himself, and he messes up or something he starts hallucinating and then like this guy comes in to read him a list of all of his sins and like a thousand years later or a hundred years later or whatever they're only up to sixth grade and that's when he finally learned how to masturbate it's like Charles Freck thought at least I got good wine and like that's the last time we see him like it's just like a weird like hey we know this film is dark let's put this weird trippy sort of funny amusing side story in here otherwise this is gonna get real bleak
2: I liked that side story that was one of the ones that like was kind of I don't want to say fun to go on because he was killing himself but like it was a really good use of the animation because this alien comes in that was actually one of my favorite kind of sidetracks that the movie went on and I really liked that character animated because his face was really crazy He, he looked great animated
1: Yeah, I really liked him, too. I I liked that actor. I liked him in this movie. And I I wish there was maybe a a few more sidetracks or, you know, offshoots, like if we followed Woody Harrelson for a scene by himself, just so we could get a sense of how these people operate when they're not in a group, you know, just to see what the dynamic is like a little more, maybe. I did enjoy that because I feel like as much as this movie wants to focus on the Keanu character, like that stuff does... It is heavy and dark and melodramatic at times, and it's the tougher stuff, so it's good to just be lifted every once in a while in between all of the uh, very serious things going on.
0: Jordan, do you have any other
1: ideas or thoughts or notes about A Scanner Darkly?
0: Nope. Mike, do you have anything else that you want to
1: talk about? Just that I would watch more movies in this style, this animation style. I mean, if it was called for, you know, I, I think that it's cool. I don't know what other story you could tell like this, but I think it works really well for this story. And if there were a reason, I would watch it applied to, you know, another feature too. So I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I like Waking Life. I haven't made it through Waking Life. That movie is very different it's though. Hard that's to yes. Get through. <laughs> Actually, my favorite letter movie is Slacker, and I think, like, there's a lot of that in this, too, in a lot of different, in sort of more subtle ways, maybe, but yeah. So, yeah, but I do enjoy that. I would recommend this one. The art is also similar to
0: cel-shaded art, which I guess is kind of cel-shaded yes. in a way. I mean, there, there have been video games in cel-shaded art, which has been really cool. That's, like, the closest thing. I'm trying to think of other things that were rotoscoped, and I can't, I can't think of anything. I was just thinking about this one game for original Xbox called Thirteen, which was... Cell shaded. it wasn't rotoscope but it's, it's a similar art style
1: super duper early on like Disney they would not just Disney but I mean like everybody would they would film people and then they would animate over them like for cinderella if you watch that like the reason cinderella looks so human and the mice and everything else looks so cartoony is because she was like an actual actress that they filmed and then they traced over all of her motions and they did that for for tons of movies. you can go on youtube and and check out like the raw footage and stuff sometimes sometimes it was just reference but sometimes they would actually rotoscope
2: i'm looking at the list of rotoscoped movies and it's mostly disney movies makes sense
1: but it's a great it, technique. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it's really cool. Any other final thoughts about
0: this movie or are we good? I'm good. So Jordan will be back in about 15 episodes for last year's The Neon Demon.
2: Oh, that's right. I'm doing that.
0: I wouldn't call it a Keanu movie, but aside from The Matrix, might be my favorite Keanu movie. But I love you know. that movie. I
1: know that much. <laughs> yep. Keanu's in it.
2: I'll be interested so, to watch it again because I, I wasn't sure the first time. So.
1: Oh, I loved it. I know. And I also met
0: Nicholas Winding Refn and Cliff Martínez. I met them both in person. They both signed my album that I won for free by asking a question about Keanu. Oh, man, what what a night that was. Thank you, Jordan. We'll see you back in a couple months for The Neon Demon. I think it's in July sometime. For all things Keanu Club, you can go to CageClub.me, Facebook.com slash CageClub, or on Twitter at CageClubPod. See all the episodes we've done. You can see the next three Keanu episodes coming up next at CageClub.me. You can see all the other shows on our network. We have P.S. I Love Hoffman now in its second month. We've got other things coming this year. So for all things, everything that I just said, CageClub.me, Facebook.com slash CageClub, Twitter at CageClubPod. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi, and that was Jordan Pullon Clark, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club.
1: What will grow crooked, you can't make straight. It's the price that you gotta pay. Do yourself a favor and pack your bags. Bye. Buy a ticket and get on the train. Cause this is fucked up. Fucked up.
2: Anyone wants some popcorn?